Happy Sabbath. Please bow your head with me for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the Sabbath day. Thank you because everybody's here safely. Thank you for all your many blessings. Be with us and forgive all our sins. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. What comes to mind when you are asked to describe a terrorist? Now, after you have a mental picture, who knows what a zealot is? Zealots were a group of men against Roman authorities, and some were out to kill Roman leaders. So, so to the Romans, zealots were terrorists. Now, how many of you have heard about Simon the Zealot found in the, in the Bible, in the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 18? In this book, he is named as one of the 12 disciples. The Bible doesn't say much about Simon besides him being appointed by Jesus as one of the 12 Jesus didn't pick Simon for a bodyguard or a spy. He picked Simon just to go out and preach the love of God like Peter and Matthew. Simon was there when Jesus turned the water into wine, when Jesus fed the 5,000, also when Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Simon was with the other disciples when they received the Holy Spirit. Simon must have not have been a zealot anymore after he met Jesus and started to follow him. But a man went from being a zealot or a terrorist to being to following Jesus, walking along with Jesus. I mean, if I think if Jesus can change as terrorist from his ways to following and preaching about God's love, I think he could change any of us. I mean, Simon was willing to be changed and be touched by Jesus. And to change, you have to be willing to change. Simon the zealot was willing. Are you?
Happy Sabbath. You know the story. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came with his army and captured Jerusalem. The city was left in ruins when the soldiers carried thousands of citizens off as prisoners. Among the captives taken to Babylon from Judah were four teenagers. They were strong, skillful, and smart. Daniel and his three friends were taken to the royal palace at Babylon. His name was changed to Belshazzar, and his three friends were given the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These young men had grown up in Judean homes where they had been taught of the true God. Now they suddenly found themselves in a heathen land where pagan idols were worshipped and strange ceremonies were performed. The four young friends determined they would be true to God in every test they faced. What about you? How would you feel if you were taken from your home, your country, and friends and family? Imagine the anger, sadness, and despair you would feel to be marched off into exile. Imagine realizing this was the fate of the rest of your life. Would you want to die? Would you feel hopeless? When others would have given up, Daniel and his three friends showed courage and strength of character and devotion to God. The first problem that came to them was concerning their food. Ashpenaz, the king's officer, brought them special food and wine from the king's table. They knew that some of this food had been offered to idols, and to eat it would mean they were honoring heathen gods. The officer finally allowed the young men to eat simple, wholesome food. After ten days, they looked better in appearance than those who ate from the king's table. Daniel set himself to constant prayer, faith, and devotion. As a result, by the end of his life, he was practically a living legend. He was even called highly esteemed by God in Daniel 10:11. When times are darkest and you are tempted just to give up, remember Daniel, turn to God instead of giving into discouragement and doubt. Ask God for courage and determine to walk in his ways no matter what happens.
Good morning. Everybody always says God is love. I've heard that my whole life growing up. When somebody asks what love is, the answer is always what no what God is, the answer is always love. But what if someone asks what love is? What would your answer be? The Bible has a whole chapter dedicated to try and explain what love is. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul wrote this chapter to the people of Corinth because he had a church there that he was trying to get started. Corinth is located in Greece, and it was a major seaport in that time. It was also one of the most corrupt cities in that time. It had terrible moral values, and the people were some of the most despicable there were in that time. And this is why it was such a big deal for Paul to waltz in there and start to preach about these people, preach to these people about love. You would think that they wouldn't have accepted him, and a lot of them didn't, but some of them did. He wrote to them to tell them that they, maybe instead of their horrible values and mean acts, that they could try out a little bit of this love. Paul basically wrote, you could have all the money in the world, everything and anything your heart desires, anything your mind can dream up, but if you do not have love, it is nothing. He said that he could have all the knowledge, all the power, move mountains even, but if he does not have love, he gains nothing. He told the people that they weren't children and to start acting like the adults they were. He also took love and broke it down into all these little meanings for these people to understand. He said that love suffers and does not envy. Love is not full of itself, arrogant, puffed up, and it is not rude. It does not seek out evil things to do. Love respects the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And most of all, love never fails. Everything in this world will eventually fail you. But love will not. Paul wrote this to tell the people that they were in a fog-like state, and it was time to look at themselves in the mirror clearly. Like a wake-up call. But even now, all this time later, it can still be a wake-up call to you too. You can have money, power, glory, good looks, and anything else your heart desires. But if you do not have love, your heart is nothing. No, your life is nothing. God is all you need in the world, the only thing that will satisfy you. God suffered for you, and God does not envy you. God is not full of himself, and God is not puffed up. God is not rude, and God does not seek out evil things to do. God respects you when you tell the truth to him, and God will tell you nothing but the truth. God bears all things, God believes all things, God hopes all things, and God endures all things. God endured the ultimate sadness, his son dying on the cross for you. And most importantly, remember that God never fails. He will never fail you. God does does all of these things for you because he loves you in such a way that your mind cannot even begin to imagine such a love. When Paul wrote to these people and told them to try out a little love, he meant not only to try out treating themselves and others better, he meant... He also meant to try out God, because he will never fail you. Out of all of these things in our sinful world, love is by far the greatest of them all.
How many of you have been baptized? Well, today I'm going to tell you the story about Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. Let's start at the beginning. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching from in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who has spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John the Baptist himself was clothed, was clothed in camel's hair with a leather... Yeah with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and honey. Uh, how many of you would like to have clothes made of camel's hair and well I wouldn't either. And how do you feel about eating locusts? I would probably have to drink a whole jar of honey to get the locust taste out of my mouth. Matthew 3 verses uh, 5-12 through 12 says people in Jerusalem in Jerusalem, all of Judea and around the Jordan went to John and were being baptized by him, uh, confessing their sins. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came to hear what John was doing. And John said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I say unto you, God is able to raise children to Abraham from these stones. Verse 10 goes on to say, And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he it will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, and the trees that does not and the tree that does not bear good fruit shall be cut down and thrown into the fire. When we are baptized, we will be changed and made new. The past sinful ways are burnt up to never to be seen again. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I indeed baptize you, uh, and you are coming to me. Uh, I need to be baptized by you, but you are coming to me. But Jesus answered to him and said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When Jesus, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on him. Suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in who I, in who I am well pleased. Ellen, we, Ellen G. White describes Jesus' baptism in Testimonies to the Church. Volume 6, page 91 says that 
Christ made baptism the sign of entrance into his spiritual kingdom. And and that baptism is to be solemnly explained uh, to the whole world. Those who are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at the beginning of their Christian lives declare publicly that they have forsaken the service of sin and have become members of the royal family and become children of the heavenly king. Can I see a show of hands who would like to be part of our heavenly king's family?
Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Okay. I've been studying different languages, and I'd like to greet some of you in a special way. Okay. Okay, I already said good morning, happy Sabbath in English. Um, Buenos dias. Feliz sábado. Okay. Bonjour. Como se va? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Evo lachi sabutoma? So... <laughs> Um, in demen nacho? Adalachu? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bow your heads with me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. Please speak through me and let my words bless your people. Let us all understand this and never forget it. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, imagine you're at your high school or elementary school or middle school or at your job. You've got good friends and your teachers like you or your boss likes you and your grades or reports aren't that bad. And everything is pretty good. But one day you start to realize and notice that one of your friends has the exact same hairstyle as you. So at first it's like, oh, you know, we have the same hairstyle. But then you notice they have the same shoes, same clothes. And when you're in the cafeteria, you see that they laugh and talk like you. It seems as if they studied and cloned your whole personality. This may not be the best example, but it's kind of like the Antichrist. We usually consider the word anti to mean against. But in Antichrist, it means in the place of. Or instead of, would you want to, you, would you want someone to try to take your place? Trying to be who you are and putting their own spin on the way you do things? Just like no one can replace you, no one can replace Christ. The Antichrist is guilty of tra- tra- trying to take the place of God. Here are three things that the Antichrist has tried to do. One, it claims that its priests can forgive sins. If you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 8, 21. Luke 5, 21. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Even though they acted pretty ridiculously in those days, plotting against Jesus, but they knew that only God could forgive sins. And the second thing the Antichrist tried to do, is tried to change God's law by taking out the whole second commandment about worshiping images and splitting the tenth commandment about coveting in half. God's law cannot be changed, right? Jesus himself said in Matthew 5:18, if you would turn there with me, Matthew 5, verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle 
shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. God also says in Malachi 3.6, if you could turn Malachi 3.6, it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. And one of the third things that the Antichrist has tried to do, the Antichrist tries to pose as God on earth. On the website, amazingdiscoveries.org, there are several historical facts and quotes about how Catholicism has exalted the position of the Pope. In 1895, an article from the Catholic National said this, and I quote, The Pope is not only the representative of Jesus Christ, but he is Jesus Christ himself hidden under the veil of flesh. That was in the Catholic National in 1895. Are they serious? Can this, are they serious? We all, if you would turn to me, with me, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Exodus 20, verse 3. It says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. So who is this Antichrist who has done these awful things? In the books of Daniel and Revelation, the Bible actually reveals who the Antichrist is. God uses symbolism with beasts, dragons, and horns to illustrate the Antichrist. For instance, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, the Bible speaks of a beast, and it says, I considered the horns... And behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. These parts of the Bible, when I first started reading, they were kind of confusing to me. So I was like, what is this, you know, horns and little horns? But what's really interesting to me is that it can all be proven by looking at facts from history and geography. For instance, Daniel 7, 8 speaks of three horns being plucked up by the roots. Well, in history, there were actually three kingdoms that did not support the papacy. And Catholic emperors had them destroyed. So the papacy and the Roman Catholic Pope easily fits the description of the Antichrist. Also in my research, I found a very interesting scripture. If you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. It says, 
Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. But we have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. I also found some excellent quotes from the Spirit of Prophecy. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 686, says, Spiritualism, by denying Christ, denies both the Father and the Son, and the Bible pronounces it the manifestation of Antichrist. In uh, pamphlet 135, God's Plan for the Relief of Avondale School, it says, Instead of becoming like the world, we are to become more and more distinct from the world. Satan has combined and will continue to combine with the churches in making a masterly effort against the truth of God. Everything that is done by God's people to make inroads upon the world will call forth determined opposition from the powers of darkness. The enemy's last great conflict will be a most determined one. It will be the last battle between the powers of darkness and the powers of light. Every true child of God will fight bravely on the side of Christ. Those who in this great crisis allow themselves to be more on the side of the world than of God will eventually place themselves wholly on the side of the world. Those who become confused in their understanding of the word, who fails to see the meaning of Antichrist, will surely place themselves on the side of Antichrist. There is no time for us to assimilate with the world. The book Selected Messages, Volume 3, page 402 says, Antichrist, those who exalt themselves against God will feel his wrath. The greater man's influence for good under the control of the spirit of God, the more determined will be the enemy to indulge his envy and jealousy toward him by religious persecution. But all heaven is on the side of Christ. All of heaven, not the side of Antichrist, but of the side of Christ. Those who love God and are willing to be partakers with Christ in his sufferings, God will honor. Antichrist, meaning all who exalt themselves against the will and work of God, will at the appointed time feel the wrath of him who gave himself that they might not perish but have eternal life. All who preserve in obedience... 
all who will not sell their souls for money or for the favor of men, God will register in the book of life. In closing, I just want to say that even though the enemy is constantly coming at us with all sorts of madness and temptations, I'm a teenager, and I know there's a lot of teenagers in here, but we're the next generation. We have younger people looking up to us, and we need God to work through us. And we need to know that all of heaven is on our side. Everyone, all ages, all of heaven is on our side. If we don't confirm to the ways of the Antichrist... Let us love God and willingly obey his commands. Let's strive to have our names written in the book of life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us to spend time with you every day in prayer and in your word. Please help us to try to strive to be like Jesus and to strive to have our name written in the book of life. And in all that we say and do, do everything to the glory of God. In his name we pray. Amen.